welcome to the Exceptional Advice Show. So Tristan, what are we talking about today? Um, so today we're going to go over one of the points that we mentioned in our intro video to client engagement not so long ago. Um, and today we're going to be talking about price pressure. Okay, probably one of my favorite topics. <laughs> Why? Because it's maybe one of the <laughs> least favorite concepts for most advisors. And when they're experiencing it in reality, that is. Um, so for everyone who's watching this, please make sure, or at least it's our suggestion, that you go back and watch that intro video to client engagement, the four key components of client engagement. Uh, we do go into like an overview of how all of the different pieces fit together as well as some definitions around things. Um, but even though we've kind of done a bit of a definition, I think we'll delve a little bit more into price pressure today and what it is and how to recognize it and where it comes from and, and perhaps the psychology of it as well. So, uh, so what is price pressure then? What is price pressure? Um, price pressure is just sort of like the, the tension or the, the, the real consideration of whatever price you're putting forward. So whether it comes up as, oh, that's a little expensive or are you sure it's worth that? Kind of those those sort of things that pop up when you're talking about price. Yeah, so there's some, there's some I guess tension is another word we can mm. use for, for pressure. And it's interesting because a lot of people think of this as just purely being in the mind of the, the person paying the fee. Um, you know, in other words, it's the, the pressure on the client. But it's it's more than that. It's it's a two way thing, right? It's the interaction between the advisor and the client, and I think that's a really important distinction to make. So, um, the other the other video or the other podcast that I suggest that you check out, depending on where you're tuning into this, would be the video that we did on price discovery, or the podcast, <laughs> whichever. Um, very, I think that's very, very relevant and you should be checking that out because it'll help provide a lot more context to what we're talking about, especially in this part of client engagement around price pressure. And so in that video, we talk about the interaction between, you know, the advisor and clients in a, in kind of a demographic personality profile spread following a normal distribution curve. Um, and in other words, some people are more sensitive to price than than others but one of the things we also also talk about in that is the better you are at articulating your value the more the bell curve moves to the right in other words the the or the less the less tension or the less pressure that your clients will experience for the same level of fee you know relative to their circumstance so it's kind of interesting that as you know, as we work with advisors as, and we go through and help them to own their value, it's kind of interesting because I've had some had some good conversations with clients over the you know over this week in particular. And sometimes it's a challenging process we go through. You know, advisors thinking that we're there to help teach them how to structure their client engagement, and in reality, we're not we're not there to teach them how to do what they already actually know how to do, but aren't necessarily doing. It's more about creating a challenge for them and pushing them past their own internal boundaries, right? So what, what's expensive, what value is, um, and all of the little 
you know, belief patterns that, that we have going on. So, you know, the, the reason that we're able to help, help people make those breakthroughs isn't because we say, hey, this is what you should be charging for this and here's how to say it. That's the smallest component. It's more about understanding what's in, what's in your head. So this is a really important concept as, as I kind of bring it all back to what we were talking about. So price pressure is really the interaction between the advisor and client and the perception of value and the price. So making sure the price is high enough that the client actually feels some serious tension in the payment of the fee. And it's kind of interesting because what are most advisors doing when they're engaging a client? Are they trying to create tension? No, the opposite. They're trying to avoid tension. So, you know, if it's a financial advisor, it might be trying to obfuscate it by saying, well, we're going to save you at least this much money in fees versus unit different structures, or we're going to save you this much in tax or whatever. And instead of actually focusing on, well, what's the value of the advice and what's the change that it's creating in your life circumstance in order, you know, to get closer to where you want to be. So that's really price, price pressure. So why, why does it need to be there, Tristan? What, what happens if you have it and what happens if you don't? Um, well, I mean, we, we talked about it a little in the intro episode, but price pressure kind of relates to everything else. Um, all these things are kind of intertwined and they all benefit from from one being done well and it benefits the other a little bit and then it kind of goes around, around, around. Um, so, what do you, so what do you mean by that? Every um, so for for example, right, say you've got great price pressure with, with a client. You're kind of hitting that sweet spot of, look, it, it's a lot of money, but we think it's worth it because of what we're doing together, right? You're at that that sweet spot. Um, as, as a result, you know, the your client will be more likely to refer. Um, they're going to take what, whatever it is you're doing together much more seriously because they value it a little more. Um, and that, that kind of comes back to the, the car example we talked about. Um, so, you know, if your, your car's just had a, a, a wiper fluid malfunction and doesn't work anymore, I'm not really a car guy. <laughs> um, and, you know, you're, you're going to drop 500 bucks on a little runaround car while you're also a new one right it, it's not going to hold the same amount of value as if you're buying a i don't know call it a brand new audi for 70 however much audis are um there there's kind of this this disparity there but just because you paid more for something it's not the only reason you value it more but it sort of as a result of paying more there's like a, a certain amount yeah I, so maybe if i could help me with, <laughs> with, the, with the analogy it could could be the difference of you know if you buy a so let's say you're buying an audi but you buy you buy one that's like 20 years old mm, and yeah, sure. you know it's been in an accident before and you don't pay that much for it and so if you're down the shopping center and someone scrapes it you don't really you don't really yeah. care um versus you know you bought the brand new one um then obviously you're going to value or your perception of the value will generally be high. Now we're making generalizations here. Yeah. Um, so for those of you who would prefer the cheaper version, that doesn't change the fact that there is in a lot of different things, a different price tension and a different value perception just because you don't necessarily put it in cars. And I say that because 
you know, <laughs> I've I've progressed from being the guy that has the brand new sports car to being the guy that has the, you know, the little old old car that no one takes any notice of. <laughs> um, and and is happy with that. So the point the permanent point of all of this is that price does play a part in in your value perception of things. Things mm. that you would have already valued potentially are going you're going to value a lot more when you've had to really make a choice to to spend some dollars on them. And let's face it, if you're a good advisor, that's one thing. But if you're an exceptional advisor and that's what this show is about, then you're really aimed at changing, you're helping them change their life. Not just not just make a few decisions here or there or structure things or whatever, but actually to be more accountable to themselves and to make better choices in order to get what they want out of life. I mean, that's that's kind of how I would describe it. Well, if you're doing that, how could you be doing that if the client is a, if there isn't a two-way reward mechanism? So a lot of what we talk about in client engagement is about creating this balance between things, right? The balance in the relationship that you have with the client. So if you're the and, and this is important to understand, if you're on the the pathway of becoming an exceptional advisor, then you have you have to get more back for the more for more impact that you're creating or otherwise you're generating an imbalance in things and that's also one of the reasons why the better an advisor gets at articulating their value the more clients are happy to pay right so the ratios change the bell curve moves to the right in other words those people that might have said mm, well that's too expensive i'm out are now going to say well that's really expensive but I'm in. So what's the key difference there? The key difference is your your belief, right? What you believe value is. And what you as an advisor believe value is is going to determine how much value you can actually create for a client. So how do, how does this psychology fit into into things? So we we've got we've uh, we've got a, a client that we've started working with not so long ago. Um so this is one of yours, Tristan. Um, and, and you can correct me cause you were telling me the story, right? Yeah. So I said to you, Hey, I don't, e I don't even know what a $10,000 client looks like, right? What are they, you know, I don't even, how would I find them? So, you know, Baz talking about, we should be getting our, you know, getting our average, our average client revenue up or whatever. And he's like, well, I don't even know what they look like. And yet when you were going through his, like the analysis of his client book, was there $10,000 clients in there? Yeah. I was like, there's one. Yeah, there's one. Oh, there's, there's, one, one. there's one. There's one. There's one. So what was the difference between those two things? It's a, it's a perception thing, isn't it? Yeah. Right? So, you know, if I were in her, his shoes, would, would I have any, any compunction or challenge in saying to that client, hey, look, here's what we're doing for you. And this is what the fee needs to be. Well, no. But did he? Did he have a challenge with that? Yeah. So what's the difference? Is the difference the client? I mean, they may be different, but the... Well, I mean, if I'm having the conversation with a client or he would be having the conversation with the client... Oh, right. It's just kind of where your bell curves are sitting, right? So, well, the cl the point that I was making, though, is the client's the same, right? Yeah, yeah, the client. If it's the same client, yeah. Yeah, like literally the same client. Um, 
So what is the difference? The difference is just perception of value. And it's a really interesting thing because if you want to be an exceptional advisor, the only way you can do that is if you develop your perception of value, right? So, you know, as, as I was saying, we, as we kind of coach, as we kind of coach advisors, we, we often go through this and, and I'm saying this to you, not, not to kind of paint a picture of, you know, we're trying, we're trying to be your coaches. That's not the reason we're doing this. We're just advisors, right? So we just happen to be advisors to a, to generally to other advisors. Um, but it doesn't change the dynamics of the things that we're talking about, right? So often as we're going through and doing this, you know, we'll have a attention period, especially at the start, where the advisor's focused on the, the mechanics of what we're doing, mm. right? Well, you know, what do you mean? What, the, like, I, I already know what I'm doing. I already know how to do this. Um, instead of understanding that, well, actually, what we're trying to do is annoy you a little bit around this. Because our job isn't to give you a process, it's to help you to own your own value. It's to help you make foundational change. And so they're very, two very different approaches. And to me, that's also one of the things that's different between you know, good advice and great advice and exceptional advice is you move from being focused on, a, I guess, a technical outcome to being focused on a, on a life behavioral outcome. And you know, we get this a lot from advisors saying, well, you know... I'm not a life coach or I'm not this or I'm not that. Well, okay. <laughs> Neither am I. Do I have life coaching qualifications? Have I changed the lives of thousands of you know people over the last 27 years? Well, yeah, I have. Um, am I perfect at it? No. I mean, I'm on a journey to exceptional advice just like everyone else. So I guess what I'm like, if I bring all of what, my interesting stories back to back to a point, your price pressure or your price tension is largely going to be determined by how you are perceiving things internally and what you think about. It's always up to the advisor to set the bar first. Secondly, yes, every client will interact differently. That's why we have a bell curve, right? But what we know is that all things being equal, most of the clients will respond with a yes within a reasonably tight band of that, you know, bell curve. Maybe instead of me drawing it out with my fingers, we should have should have <laughs> brought it up on the screen. But refer back to that one on uh, on the if you if you're tuning in via the uh, by podcast, then you might just want to watch the price uh, discovery one on YouTube. Go check that out because we do bring up slides and stuff using the bell curve analogy. But I think most of you get what we're talking about. So in other words, price pressure is, it takes both parties to tango, right? And what's in your head is largely going to determine the level at which your clients experience price pressure, right? How they experience value. So many times we've had advisors say, my clients won't pay that. Well, if you think that, then what's the case? <laughs> no, they're not going to pay that. If you know that it's worth it, and you, and I'm not saying you just put your price up, you know, until you've taken everyone, like someone, someone, like, what's the price? Well, 100% of your wealth, right? I'm not suggesting you do that. And in fact, I think that would be a ridiculous assumption. I'm, I'm assuming all of you are in a position of, of getting the balance right. You know what the value is. I'm trusting you to make a judgment call with your client to know that 
the client is going to be exponentially better off because of it, including the quantum of what you're charging them. But that has to be set at the right level because most advisors we encounter are not not owning their value, right? They're doing the opposite. They think they are. They're justifying it in, in a lot of different ways, but they're not owning their value. And that's kind of the critical step. So what happens when you get good price tension with clients? How do you know when you've got like price tension, right? Versus something else, right? So sometimes you might have a client go, oh, we're not engaging with you because it's too expensive, right? Yeah. Does that mean it was price that there was a problem? Not necessarily. So what, what could the issue have actually been? Um, well, I mean, you, you kind of said it before, right? So as your, your value explanation, um, and your articulation of it get better, your bell curve kind of moves and your prices shift with it as well. Um, so it could just be that, you know, your, your explanation on that day, maybe you were trying it differently and it just didn't go well. Um, you, you forgot a couple of things, explanation didn't go well. And as a result, the client didn't really see the same amount of value. Um, so for that, mm. what the client is thinking that they're going to get out of the relationship, it's too expensive for them. Yeah, so you could have failed to articulate value. Mm. Maybe you were having an off day and you didn't, you know, connect the dots or the nuances. Jeez, I mean, I've, I can't tell you how many clients I've engaged over the last 27 years. Um, but do I still get it right every time? No. Um, and honestly, if I were then the fun would kind of <laughs> the fun would run out for me right so why would i be doing why would i be doing a show about exceptional advice if if i'd reached you know the ultimate perfection of that i mean it's not even possible but i wouldn't be doing the show right i'm doing the show not you know not to build a brand or convince you guys to come on board as clients or any of those things i'm doing it because I want to be a better advisor myself. I want to share what I've learned. And just even the act of us, you know, talking about it together gives gives more clarity. Helps me own and understand, you know, my value better. Um, so price tension may not be price tension. So another example of, of that is, so it could just be you didn't articulate your value well enough. So the price was too expensive for their perception of value right mm -hmm. yep. or it could have been that it's a completely different issue so you might be out of emotionally emotional contextual alignment so in other words your advice to them or something you've said to them could be creating a tension that is create like it's there's an emotional conflict to what you're saying to them right this happens quite often and it's not always easy to get to the bottom of it, but that'll be a topic of a whole, whole other series of, whole other, whole other series of, uh, of, of shows. So what else could it be? Well, it could be that, I don't know, maybe you've given them advice about restructuring their property portfolio and, you know, unbeknownst to you, you know, two of the properties were an inheritance from dad and dad said, you know, bricks and mortar never sell, right? It just said it over and over. And so there could be, there could be an internal subconscious thing where it's like, if I, if I sell the property, then I'm a bad son, right? Or bad daughter or whatever. 
So you've given the advice, and so even though everything else in the story and the value is there for them, but they've got this internal emotional conflict. So what are they going to potentially say to you about, you know, your engagement? It's too expensive. So does that? Did I explain? Did I explain that? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's easier not to address the the emotional issue and just say, oh, it's too expensive. Sorry. Well, the interesting thing is that most of the time there's a an emotional context roadblock. The client isn't consciously aware of it, mm. right? And so an advisor's job is to help them help them to find that emotionally contextual roadblock and to push, you know, to push past that. And you know, look, as I said, we'll we'll do we'll do a whole lot of episodes on that. And uh, you know, no matter how many times I do it, there's always situations where it can be be tricky trying to get to these things. And I think that's the difference between again good advice and exceptional advice. It's where you really start to create, you know, value where the where the the price and the dollars and the perception go up, you know, exponentially as well. So coming back to it. And again, we talked about this in the price discovery. You really only know you're getting price tension by actually increasing the price, right? Yeah. And you only know when you're reaching the right levels for for you, right, by having what happen. What has to happen for you to know that you're that you're getting the feedback from, you know, the marketplace or your prospective clients or your existing clients for that matter? Yeah, well, I mean, you you need the feedback from clients, right? So you need to figure out when when so you're charging someone, and they go, "Oh, that's uh, that's a bit expensive." I don't I, I don't think so. Or someone goes, "Yeah, no worries, easy." Okay, you've got, you've got the the two yeah, extremes. Yeah. So in other words, you need some people to say yes, and you need some people yeah. to say no. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've I've said those exact words to to other advisors. You need some people to say yes, and you need some people to say no in order to get that price tension. Now, just just for clarity. Um, uh, and th- this is something that's that's come up quite a few times. Oh, Bazzi, it's all right for you. You advise other professionals or other advisors. Um, you know, it's different for our clients. Well, yeah, I'm advising other advisors mostly now, right? But I've been doing this for, as I said, you know, coming up to 27 years. And for most of that time, that's not been the case. And not only that, most of my time is spent advising other advisors around specific clients. And a lot of the time where we've got some serious complexity around business structures or whatever, I'm actually sitting on that process and, you know, be one of the advisors expert panel. And just because I like business, I always make sure that I keep my eye in. So I will always have a number of non-advisory, you know, advice clients at any point in time as well. Right. That's just what I do. It's just not, you know, it's more, more like, 20% 20% of the of the time that I spend or the work that I do. This, honestly, this issue, and I want you to understand this, we're telling you these things, but it's not just about your business. It's about your client's businesses. So if you want to be in a position to be a better advisor for your clients, then take on board the things that we're telling you. I'm trying to teach you how, well, not teach you, but to share what we've learned about creating exceptional advice and making life change to people. So an analogy or an example of that is a business and they, I've talked about them in a few episodes just because I really, I really like them. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a manufacturing firm. They produce some, 
parts for building materials. I won't I won't kind of get more specific than that. And the the really top end, and you know it's uh, it's you know pretty good family business, and you know there's some internal benefits, and they pay you know they pay themselves and all the rest of it. But after those things, you know their margins on products were only you know only around four four point something percent. So over the last uh, nine months, but really just the last six months, um, we've got them to change their pricing. Because what they didn't understand was the value they were bringing to the table. Like these guys, these guys are the best at the best, not just at the materials that they're, they're producing and providing, but in their understanding of how to install them and put them into buildings. And so within that period of time, their margins have gone from four point, I can't remember what it was, four or something like that. There was actually two business units and it was different between the two, um, to more like 15 to 17%. So what kind of difference does that make in the business? Now, question for for you, so you can you can answer on the on the audience's behalf, Tristan. How many of their clients, customers, whatever whichever word you'd like to use for that, mm-hmm. how many of them do you think said no because they've increased their price? Oh, very few. It's a it's a real easy number. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very round number. A round number. Three? No, that's not round. I mean, literally. Cursive. <laughs> You're just being as far as now. No, zero, right? So it's kind of interesting. So how do they go from I don't know being a let's call it a ten million dollar business, you know, four percent margin, you know, after they're paying themselves, family business. So yeah, but that's okay. But it, what's the difference to their family between getting a 4% margin and, say, a 17% margin? Right, we're now talking 400000 to what, 1.7 million. Uh, in, in fact, we're having the conversation. He's like, there's all, there's all this money in the bank account. There's all this money. It can't be this easy. And my point out of that is what their real issue was is they didn't have price tension. Right. They hadn't gone through the process of price discovery, which is the process. And as I said, if you haven't checked out that episode, make sure that you do. So they hadn't gone through that process. And because of that, they didn't have appropriate price tension in their engagements. And the only way for you to, to actually know where you're at on that process of price discovery is to have some people say yes and some people say no. Mm-hmm. And so if everyone says yes you've got a lot of information haven't you yeah what is that information telling you everyone's happy to pay that and what would that translate to to getting the optimal balance in a business it says you're too cheap Mm. right so remember you cannot get to price discovery without some people saying yes and some people saying no so if everyone said yes then where are you on that bell curve, right? You're right down the bottom because statistically you haven't even got any evidence that you've moved up to the bell curve point where you're reaching a point where some people are going to say no. Okay, so this is an ultra high-end, you know, business in what they're doing. So what happens if we get to that level being 25% margin? Do you think that at that margin, we might start to get more people say no? Yeah, I'd say so. I suspect so, right? 
can you afford to have some of those people say no when your margin's gone from 17 to 25%? Oh, yeah. Okay, not, a, not only that, uh, the people that you're working with are going to be better engagements by and large. Yeah. They're going to value what you're doing more. Yeah, and that's why price tension is so important. It's not the only reason, and you kind of touched on it before, how they all, mm. all, all interconnect together. So firstly, remember that your perception of your value determines is the biggest input to how your clients are going to perceive what your value is. It's your belief, right? It's your frame of reference about what your value is that will have the biggest impact more than anything else, more than the technical qualifications, more than the monetary change that you're creating for the client, more than, you know, any of any other factor. It's what's in your head. If you don't believe it's worth it, if you don't believe a client should pay that, then guess what? You're not you're not going to put the price to them and they're certainly not going to say yes. And even if you do, even if you do put the price to them, then is there a much higher chance of them saying no? Because in other words, if you're doing it that way, your bell curve has moved to the left. So everyone is more price sensitive if that's your frame of reference. So a very important concept for you guys to understand. Um, even if you've been through this iteration like hundreds of times like I have, you know, the, the fee that I would charge for something today is obviously significantly different to a fee that I would have charged when I was started out at 22. So, you know, you get, you get the idea, right? Uh, very, very important. So what's in your head, then how you articulate your value. So how good you are at getting the nuance right, of saying to the client, this is where you are, this is where you want to be, in their language, in their emotional language, this is how we're going to help you get there. Can you do that on your own? Do you need help? I can help you. Okay, so I'm giving, a, I'm giving an overview. So how well you do this will also move the curve to the right. Okay, so it starts with your belief, your perception, how well you do that, that moves the curve to the right. And then, of course, now it's up to the clients to give you the input as to where your bell curve is at the moment. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. All right. So what else do we, what else do we need to cover on price tension? Um, that's that's kind of it. Um, unless you want to go deeper into something we've already talked about. Look, I think that's a reasonable a reasonable overview of price tension. I guess I kind of want to just reiterate some points here because they are so important. You know, and that is that if you're not sure, if you're in a position of going, my clients won't pay that or I don't think it's worth it or how do I justify it? These are probably issues that have stemmed from, you know, the environment around you, right? The program that you've, adopted and accepted how do you know that like really how do you know that how do you know if you're being objective about how you're looking at what you're doing how do you know that that would be expensive for that kind of client have you gone and sought external input are you compare who are you comparing that to mm. right what are you comparing it to in the market 
And not only that, do you are you trying to price price at your competitor's price? Is that what you're actually trying to do, or are you trying to be? I'm assuming you're watching the show because you want to be an exceptional advisor. You just don't want to be a good advisor that is priced around the average, right? You want to be an exceptional advisor. So if you're an exceptional advisor, why would you, you know, using the the construction business, why would you be getting four and a half percent margin when in really the space of three months you could be getting 15 17 right and no one says no so in that particular scenario what's the obstacle between those two things it's just what's in your head right so understand that remember that price tension is just for the client price tension is for you how much tension have you got in the pricing that you're setting your client. So you're not just looking every year to challenge your client base on price tension. You're looking to challenge yourself. Otherwise, how is your value growing? Right? The market will tell you whether you're actually delivering value in line with what you're getting from an engagement point of view. So it's not possible to oversell people on this value concept, right? And rip them off. Right? Well, I, I guess it is, but only for a short period of time. And no, no, I don't think anyone who is interested in doing that would be watching the Exceptional Advice show. So I know that's not you. But there's no way that that would happen because price discovery means that you're getting the feedback from the clients, right? If um, If all of your clients start leaving after they've said yes, well, maybe you're not delivering the value. But that, look, I've never experienced that. I've never seen that. I've never seen that happen. So understanding your input and your psychology is the most important, you know, the most important part. How you translate your value and how well you're doing that from an interpersonal point of view and really doing it from, you know, their, their individual value perception is important as well. And um, just remember, if people don't value what you do, there are consequences. And I think that's the bit we should maybe just go over again. Mm-hmm. So if you don't charge enough and there's not price tension, your clients won't value what you're doing as much. So will they take you as seriously? No. Will they get back to you as quickly? No. Will they refer other people to you? Maybe, but the quality of the referrals would be very different. And certainly the quantum will be different mm, as well. Yeah. So we know, I mean, it's one of the things that we measure as we go through and do this, the more price tension that you're creating in your business, the higher your referral rate and the better, the better the quality of clients that are coming through kind of makes sense. But the reason it makes sense is because you were owning your value in the first place, right? So the more you're owning your value, the more you're, if you can be esoteric, sending a message to the universe that you're worth it and the more it responds, right? So we went a little hippie there for a bit. It's maybe the conversation we had yesterday about um, with some clients about, about Nimbin. <laughs> Nimbin, the uh, the weed capital. So, yeah. Uh, we've got a client moving to, Mul- I think it's Mullumbimby. So, we were just giving him a hard time about, because <laughs> I think it's like 50 kilometers or something from Nimbin. Um, so, price tension is important. Your value is important. And translating this to clients important to every metric in your business, not just your margins and your profitability. And that is a big thing. If you are not profitable enough, you can't be, you can't be in a position where you're free to create more exceptional change for your clients.
So thanks, everyone. Um, if you've got any questions or thoughts, please make sure that you let us know in the comments. You can feel free to, if you've got questions, do this thing where it's pretty magic. You shoot me a message on LinkedIn and I will answer that question. Um, otherwise, would really appreciate your support, liking and subscribing and sharing the content. We are doing that. We're not asking for anything. We're not taking sponsors. We're not looking for stuff. We're not monetizing it. None of, none of that's why we're doing this. The reason we're doing it is because we want to share our thoughts and together become exceptional advisors. So love to know what you think. Love to hear from you as well. Take care, everyone.